The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. dating when am I able to start dating so if you guys want to speak to dating and recovery yeah I mean you know like uh, it's often said about the you know one year um and you know what I don't know how I feel about this this is this is what I do know though is that by the time I deal with the individual that I'm sponsoring they're half a person you know like they don't have any sense of self. They don't have any character. There's no morals, right? So there's that aspect. But most of the guys I work with, most of the guys I work with don't even know their favorite color. Like they, they have no idea who the fuck they are as a person. And so when they get into a relationship with that being a parent, the other person, because, you know, water meets their own level. So whatever person they get is going to be meeting them right where they're at. Uh, it's two half people to make up a full person in this equation. And then what will happen is that if the other person relapses or the other person leaves, whatever the case may be, then this person is actually losing a lot of their self. Right. And this seems to be the devastation when they get out of these relationships. So not only is the man under me to be 12 stepped and sponsoring, but there's a lot of other stuff that we'll work on kind of after the one year, year and a half, two years. That's where we start chat chatting about passions. It's where we start talking about career, hobbies. We start looking at some pretty heavy facets of his life, which is going to be his career, his finance, his reputation, his relationships, and his health. When he starts making some headway in all these areas, you know, something like a career, something like his health, finances, then he starts working on hobbies. Maybe that's shooting guns. Maybe that's golf. Maybe that's cars. Maybe that's art, whatever. I wa- Ideally, I want him to find a relate. I don't want him to look for a relationship. I want a relationship to be found. 
but I want a relationship to be found in whatever those hobbies are. Right. But I've often said, you'll find, you know, the woman that you're meant to be with at the library because you like reading or at the fucking pumpkin patch as opposed to on some fuck site or as opposed to in the rooms. Right. And it's not to say in the rooms is necessarily a bad thing, but the problem within the rooms is that, you know, the motives would have had to be skewed a little bit ago uh, for him to be looking in the, in the rooms more often than not. So I want him to find that relationship outside of the rooms if possible. And hopefully in society under some passions of, of his, because, you know, he has to meet this person as a, or this individual as a full person, not as a half person. So by the time we start getting to passions and, and hobbies, the odds are that he's a, a fairly polished human being, productive member of society, right? And that's what we want, is we want a full person meeting a full person. So, And, you know, as, as a person gets into recovery, one of, the, one of the promises that happen is that you will hopefully be doing this right, is that you can stay in emotional balance which is something that a relationship needs. And um, if you're in recovery and you're not working on yourself, I don't think that the emotional balance piece is there, especially when you're attracting somebody who's also on that level and the relationship, if it works, it will be completely unhealthy if it works. Um, I, I noticed for myself, um, the short relationship that I had was overwhelming because as I'm trying to to work the program and do 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 the things that I'm supposed to be doing it was so muddled because this per other person who's also in early recovery is also trying to do those things but it's like you're, you're trying to get to know someone but you don't even know who you are because you've just met in early recovery so you're trying to figure yourself out but you're influenced by this other person and it's just like a really messy scenario and in looking back in that in that time period a couple months there um, I would have said that I was working on recovery and I would have said that I was focused on my sobriety, but in hindsight, I was, I was, um, split focus and I wasn't seeking out the, the same way that I am now and trying to understand in the same way that I am now and trying to grow in the same way. We were going to meetings together and we would talk about the meetings and to me that was recovery. And that was like, you know, what did you learn from that meeting? I don't know what you learned from that meeting and we talk about it. And, and now, um, after that had ended, it was like, wow, that really slowed down my recovery. And I would not have told you that while I was in it. And so that's a way that it, it's like, it's sneaky because it wasn't this big dramatic thing. It wasn't like, like this thing went up and smoked for me. It, it was really just a sneaky distraction that had it, had it went on and on and on, I wouldn't be where I am in my recovery because I just wouldn't have went out seeking. I wouldn't have had the time or the attention span to do that. So there's lots of ways that in, in recovery, it doesn't have to be this big explosion where, where two people are relapsing or there's this toxic blow up. It, it can be, it can be sneaky and subtle and, and not notice, noticing because you're in it and you're saying, this is okay. And I'm actually doing what I'm doing, but you don't get the same results. Yeah. I would definitely say just to add to that, you know, a couple other things, one of which is that you know, once you introduce the opposite sex, that'll be the man's main, that's where he'll disperse all of his energy. So especially early recovery, he only, or early recovery, he only has so much energy to, to displace, which all of that should be in the program, right? 
And so what will happen is, is as soon as he introduces women, he he'll it'll probably be like a 70-30 cut of energy. It'll all be 70 in the women and then 30 in the program, which is dangerous. More important than that, you know, is like I want him to hyper-focus on the same sex, which is men. That'll not only be for his sponsorship in the latter steps, but that will be for his own fellowship. You know, a man who has a strong relationship with the opposite sex has a stronger relationship with the same sex. That means that if it is not to work out, then he could still go back to his to his you know his friends, his pillars. He still has a life. That's what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to give him a life with the other with with the other person. Whereas the two two independent people meeting and meshing, right? And so if he does have the pillars and he does have the hobbies and all these other things. If this person is to leave, his life is to resume. You understand what I'm saying? As opposed to his life now starting. We don't want his life now starting out of the relationship. It should have started way back when. And when you... When I'm you're, listening. I'm getting a coffee. Okay. When you're first new in the program and we start looking at the step four... I can see all of the things that this guy is making God, right? It's really, really apparent to see what the guy is making God or the woman, okay? Um, in the We Agnostics chapter, it talks about the fundamental idea of God is there, but it's often obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship of other things. Well, the pomp and the worship of other things is really important because that's what he's actually making God. Pomp is self, you know? Does the person that I'm working with spend most of his time thinking about himself? Well, yes, typically because selfish self-centeredness is at the root of our troubles. The foundation of my life is built on me and what I want and what I can't get and how am I going to get it and, and all of these selfish motives, self-seeking, dishonest, you know, fearful, all based in self. And then the worship of other things is really important too. So what is he worshiping? Well, he's worshiping ideologies. He's worshiping the ideology that he has to be with a woman. He has to be married. He has to have kids. He, he has to have these things. And he'll go out in life and pry that shit into his life just because the idea of it is so strong and embedded in his psyche. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe sex is, is the worship. Maybe porn's the worship. Maybe the possession of the woman is, is the worship. And the thing is, is when you look at the four and you start looking at the resentments, the fears, and the sex conduct, which I don't call sex conduct, it's relationship conduct, you can see the defects of character, which are the overcompensations of not enough love within himself for himself. So he's always trying to overreach to go get whatever these things are so he can fill that that hole inside of himself with these things from outside of himself. So you can see that all of these defects are actually manifestations of him not being okay with him. And the reason why it's so important to stay away from relationships for a year is so you can look at yourself so you can grow in understanding and effectiveness with yourself with creator jesse talked about building relationships with other men typically when i'm working with somebody the most important relationship they have when i start with them is me and them 
and them and God. That's the number one. Then the next one is if I'm working with a man, it's him and being a real friend to another man and to other men and, and integrating himself into a true partnership where he's actually giving of himself so that the other parties can give back. And that's how relationships are actually built, right? They're, they're built with two people giving of one another, okay with who they are and accepting and receiving, giving and receiving. And then the third phase would be a friendship with a female that's non-sexual. The thing with most men is most men at some point want sex with the woman that they're interacting with. So a big part that I do with the guys I work with, I'm like, okay, you go make platonic friendships with this woman, whoever the woman is, and you build on like a real friendship where there's no motive. And I find a lot of guys don't treat women like human beings. They treat women like objects. They treat women like possessions. They treat women certain ways, a lot of guys, and they don't even know it because it's ingrained in their subconscious. So one of the things I do is I'm like, you're like a human being because the subconscious, if, if it's goes unchecked at some point, it'll turn into a sexual motive where they want to have sex with this person or more of an emotional, intimate relationship. That's not what we're talking about. You can have an intimate relationship if you treat them like a human being. And then finally, when they're able to step out and, and have a relationship and I'm all about, okay, now it's time, go for it, man. You got to live, right? You got to make some mistakes and you got to learn through the mistakes. So I'm like, okay, go ahead. If you want to go on Tinder, go ahead. You want to go on this date, go ahead. I do agree with Jesse and go find something similar where you can meet somebody with like-minded passions or, or hobbies where you can connect on a little bit different level and kind of have a different basis versus just recovery to grow mm -hmm. from. But then they have to really keep in mind, treat her like a human being, right? You don't own her and you treat her like a human being. And that's worked really, really well. Um, so it's important to stay out of relationship for quite some time. It's also important for the sponsor to be aware of their sponsee and where they are in their own growth. Because everybody grows differently. And some people are way more attached to their codependent toxic traits than others. Some people are more willing to bring God in than others. Some people are very self-reliant. So there's a bunch of things as a sponsor to help them navigate and they get different needs met through my relationship with them. And I'll give them different advice. Some I'll be hard with, some I'll be soft with, some I'll let them go out and make their own mistakes because I'm confident their relationship with God is pretty secure. And then they come back and we share whatever it was we need to share. And then we recalibrate and move forward again. The most important thing to this is building a relationship with God, building a relationship with yourself and not drinking. Because the only way you can see the patterns in sobriety is by staying sober. And almost every relationship in your life is with another human being. And those teach you a lot. But the most important one to find is the one with creator. Through the one with creator, you find a relationship with yourself. Then you can go out and be a whole person, find a whole person, and you can give that mutual respect and then walk forward in a healthy relationship and learn the lessons. Maybe those lessons are only meant to be learned for six months or a year with this new person. At least they're confident enough in their own self and their own God that they can 
with a proper display of honesty and morality, break up with the person mm -hmm. in a good way, right? And that's another good lesson that people will run from most of their life. You know, and I've seen the men that I've worked with and women I've worked with, they've been able to break up with somebody in a really good and healthy way. And they also get to the point where they think that they just want to go and have sex with this person. But I often find that they do that and I'll say, go for it. They'll do that. And they're like, that's not what I want. And, and so you change, right? And you learn and you grow. And, and as long as you don't drink, you can keep learning and growing. So, yeah. So in, in terms of recovery, when people are getting into relationships, that growth that comes from the growth that, and the learning to rely on God that comes from the emotional turmoil, you know, the emotional turmoil before the surrender. And if you're in a relationship, you're apt to use the person to feel better and to comfort the emotional turmoil and never really develop the relationship that I, I would say that's pretty much on the mark yeah pretty accurate but okay. you brought up a good point when you're in it when you've already made the decision to get in a relationship too early and you're now justifying everything self has bled back in and for me to talk you out of it at that point is typically very very difficult mm -hmm. right because self has already made the decision. It's almost like exactly like it says in the drink. When we make the decision to go drink, we're as good mm -hmm. as drunk. When you make the decision to act in those toxic subconscious patterns and you want what you want, you're going to justify it in many different ways. And typically that move is going forward. <sighs> and all I can do at that point is give you the data on this is how it typically goes. This is what probably will happen. I wish you the best. And then typically what I say does happen and then becomes a greater tool for me later as I stay working with them. And they're more apt to listen to the suggestions that I give them and the big book even more moving forward as long as they don't drink. But the number one reason for relapses is the opposite sex relationships. And the number one reason they relapse has to do with the, the same dishonesty they use for a drink is the same dishonesty that a man uses, you know, he, let's say he's a year sober and he gets together with a woman who's, you know, two days sober, you know, that dishonesty for the drink is the same he'll use in the sex conduct. So the insanity is still alive and has been his whole recovery. If that's what he's doing. And then the mental blank spot or the insane trivial excuse for a drink or a drug is still there. It actually never left. It's just in a different form. Right. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen that all of a sudden the guy just drinks one day and it's not a conscious choice because he's kept it alive. And a, a lot of a lot of people don't understand what Jesse just said about it's the same dishonesty that takes you to do the drink. That is the same dishonesty that bleeds into our, our lives. It's the same dishonesty. It takes a while to understand and see what we're talking about, but really it is, which is why I believe that honesty is the first principle in this program. And, you know, I think it's taken me, you know, a few years to, to get that, but new people don't really understand that. Well, and he said that it never left. So you think you're doing steps around the drink and you're trying to cure the drink problem with getting rid of yada, 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 but but really you're keeping it alive in the form of now of the relationship. So you're never actually dealing with the thing. So suddenly you're drinking because you never actually resolved the problem. It just jumped like a 
from from here to here. Yep. Yep. Still alive. So that 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 is why I think the question of what what constitutes early recovery is so difficult because I think for me I think that the the early recovery um, if you put a time on it by the time a person gets to a year their their recovery can look completely different to 10 other people because of the things that they're doing in their recovery so you can have somebody 10 years sober still acting like early recovery so yeah. I don't know measuring early recovery is um, possible with a timestamp which is why I brought forward that question when people are coming to me and saying like when is early recovery done how often how long do I have to say that I'm in early recovery and, and wanting to know this definite answer of what constitutes early recovery. So can you give like a, a picture or a checklist of, of a way that a person in recovery would know that they're, they're in the next level of recovery? I would say 12 step and sponsoring, sponsoring a good amount. And I would probably give that about a year under my sponsorship. That's what I would give that. Um, the thing too, the, the, the real signifier as far as I'm concerned of early recovery is so the first year they come in, it looks as if God's will is their own will. So they need a house or they, or they, they need a place to stay. They need a job, maybe a car. Uh, and all these things seem to miraculously work out for them in the first year. Maybe they've been estranged from their family and kids and all of a sudden now they're able to see their kids. You know, they've done some crooked things. They should be in jail. Miraculously, they're not, right? And once you start getting past all those early windfalls um, where, you know, they feel as though God's will is their own will. And they're expecting... When really a lot of that is just because they stop drinking and by proxy, these things will happen because you're not drinking alcohol. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But the character is the exact same. It hasn't changed one goddamn bit. So then what happens is you'll find this in the second year, you know, what they thought was God's will was actually their own will and God's will just is. And then so what happens in the second year is whatever they wanted to happen doesn't happen and it works out in a totally different way. Then they start to grow an understanding that actually God's will is is God's will and your will is something completely fucking different. When they start Are you to, able to give an example, Jesse, of your recovery of when that would have been a thing. So like when you got the when you're like, okay, you're humming along and then it's like, oh, this is God's will. No, it's not. And coming up against yourself and your own character, and instead of being discouraged and going out and drinking, working through that and being able to look back and go, holy shit. I would probably say, you know, early recovery, everything that I needed happened after the first year out of the byproduct of, of that, of me actually trying to do the deal, all this other stuff, some really good things that happened, some self had bled in and I had fucked myself by my own hand. Um, and all of that was a mixture of, you know, God's will essentially lining up with my own will. But then, you know, getting involved in that self bleeding into that. And then throughout that time, it's actually not not God's will. Like God's will is more circumstance as far as I'm concerned. That's where you could clearly see God's will. There is there is self will and decisions based on self. And then there is God's will and uh, essentially situations that come 
that are right from God that are aligned, right? But in this circumstance, it would be circumstance, right? So something that's far out of your control. So not to say so much that, um, you know, it was more circumstance God's will. It was more out of my own self-will and repercussions of that decisions based on self. But, you know, for the guy who's early recovery, it's going to look like God. It's not going to look like repercussions out of self. So, you know, shortly after this, after I'd made the decisions I had made, you know, I'm living in my car, showering at the Talisman Center, sponsoring guys, putting $5 in my gas tank, where over here I was just on top and now I've absolutely burnt it all down to the ground. So naturally in the fallout of that, you could bring God back in and start making God-centered decisions. But this is quite typically what will happen for a new guy in recovery where he'll get everything back fairly fast he will fuck that up and then he'll just drink it's as simple as that it's very rare that these guys will stay sober in the fallout because what happened was is that i was supposed to go to god for all these decisions and i didn't and i was stuck in this gray area of of building character and when push comes to shove generally a guy has no god to speak of and the insanity will win out yet again but what i did is i sponsored throughout this whole time and the sponsorship i believe gave me some sort of you know, some sort of aspect of sanity, so much so to call my sponsor when I was going to drink many years ago. So quite typically, though, what will happen is, is that it, it will be circumstances. Everything that happens is circumstances for the guy in the first year. And then all of a sudden he wanted that job and, and he doesn't get it right. And he thought that he could get into a relationship and he gets burnt out of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, he thought he was building some financial nest egg. And then, you know, the tax man calls and says, listen, you fucking owe us money, right? And it's more stuff like that that are like totally out of the blue, you know, like I early recovery, you know, I I got this car back, all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, I end up going to re-register and it's $3,500 worth of fucking tickets. That's the shit I'm talking about. Those things do not come up really in early recovery. You know, it, you'll hear stories of individuals that you sponsor in their first year and it'll, fuck, it'll even blow me away. Cause I'm just like, if that happened to me today, it would be like, I would get fucking it. Like the repercussions I get out of self today is, is very quick and abnormally hard where the guys in early recovery, they're given a lot of breaks, but until that second year, that's, and this is the difference. I call that early recovery where it's like, they're just, oh my God, wow, my life, the birds are fucking chirping and oh my Lord and this, this, that, and blessed be God, blessed be God, because it's all his will, right? But then all of a sudden shit, shit goes down. This is life. You know, life can, you know, in, in, in a lot of the arts, whether it be plays or whether it be movies or whether it be songs, a lot of these, you know, depict the tragedies of life, which would be death or love lost, Right. And uh, now he's actually going to be a part of that, a part of the human experience where, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you think you owe a hundred dollars in re-registering your car and it's 3,500 bucks. And you think you got that job, you think you got this promotion and naturally it doesn't happen because this is life. And when those things start happening to the individual, then yeah, he's no longer early recovery as far as I'm concerned. So is that like, so how I kind of made sense of it at this point is we're talking about like, it's, it's not a theory we have to live it, but we're not, a person doesn't start actually living it until they have to, until they have to 
until they have to. And so coming out of treatment for me, it was like a, a lot of these things were happening, like, oh, this is happening and that's happening and things are good, just as a result of me not drinking. And it's like, oh, this is, you know, God's doing this for me. God's got my back up. And then I start coming up against some shit that it's not working out in the way that I want it to. And, and like, it, the plans I have for myself aren't working out, even though I believe that this is what's best. And in doing that, I'm having to now rely on God and now actually, you know, turn, turn my stuff over my fear that's coming up and my selfishness and my whatever's coming up in, in, in how life is coming at me in a way that I perceive it's unfair and it's difficult. And it's not this, this, Oh, look at the birds singing and everything is so colorful and beautiful sober. It's now I'm coming up against shit that this is not what I want. And this is not how I want it. And, and now I'm having to really put my, my money where my mouth is here. And, and okay, if this is, if I'm going to live a 12 step life, this is where I need to rely on God. This is where I have to learn to reach out. This is where I have to, you know, do the things that we actually talk about and take this theory and make it the design for living. And I think that from what I can see, that's, that's the difference. And that, that is the line like that I draw in the sound sort of what you said, that early recovery ends when you start transitioning to, to the design for living and not the theory. Yeah, sure. I'd say that that works out. I mean, I would also say that God is everything or else he's nothing. That's the main mantra that should be carried out through both phases, through everything seems to be working out and nothing can fucking work out. God is God is all the seemingly positive in your life and all the seemingly negative, but that's all that it's seemingly because all it is is your perspective, right? You know, Every decision the individual makes on self will lead them to a drink. And it doesn't look that way. And every decision they make on self, I mean, to get to the drink could take years, could take months, right? But that's all their perspective, right? So if their decisions, no matter what, eventually, no matter how good they seem or whatever, will eventually lead them to the drink. That's the skewed thinking on what God is or what God isn't, right? That's a skewed yeah, thinking so. on what's positive and what's what's negative, right? It, it is to say at the end of the day that they have no fucking idea. It, just recently, so I, I have this idea that I'm supposed to be in Calgary and that this is where, you know, la da 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 So th this opportunity came up to rent a house with a friend who's also in 12-step program. Um, and so we, we went and we went and looked at the house and everything looked awesome. I checked all the boxes for each of us. He was going to have the upstairs house and I was going to have the walkout basement and it, it, like it checked all the boxes. And so we applied for it, went and viewed the house, met the landlords, got chosen. And then she decided that she didn't want us because she didn't understand why we weren't in a relationship. She couldn't understand and she wanted like the family and the relationship and so she turned down her application, which threw me for a loop. And I had to go back to that seemingly is like my, my hashtag seemingly is what I'm living my life on right now because I don't know, but it seemed so good. And I couldn't wrap my head around like, I'm like, that seemed like that was going to be perfect for us. And so almost everybody that I told that story to said that as a, as a knee jerk reaction, why didn't you just say that you were a couple? It would have been so easy. We would have, and my friend and I even said, well, that would have been so easy to just go along with that. Why weren't we a couple? But really what that is, is like such a subtle form of manipulating and forcing the solution, my own will. And, you know, as it panned out with just taking hands off of it and doing the legwork, that wasn't supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So how easy it would have been 
to just tweak that a bit, get ourselves into this house and be living in a situation that was not in the design, mm. you know, and how quickly that happens. And then boom, I'm in this reality that I shouldn't have been. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in Calgary. Maybe I'm mm. not supposed to, you know, how that would have changed the whole trajectory of what, what goes on. Just that one small decision, you know, and how people are running around like in life doing things like that. And, you know, this is like why we're stepping on the toes of ourselves and, and, going like well what the fuck you know um because everybody everybody just does those things even in small little ways small little ways and um not believing that there's a better outcome and not giving themselves the chance to see that because the only way that you can see that is by not doing it having the faith and then getting that that time to look back and go connect the dots and go shit good thing i never did that but you have to have total faith in the moment because if you don't, you're doing your will and you're never going to see what the bigger plan is. So it's like the, the, and I don't know what I'm running on at this point. I'm just running on like, okay, you guys have done it like this. I believe that if I do it like this, that I'm going to have some ability to connect the dots and have my own story to say to somebody that I did it like this. And this was actually the results. And it's a damn good thing that I didn't make that small decision in self and force myself into a total a life that I wasn't supposed to be in. But I can't see that from here. So it has to be moves on faith, believing that you're going to get what everyone else has in your in your sponsorship and your pillars that you use. Good stuff. And the thing about the leap of faith is you, you can hear it from ever, anybody and you can believe it. But until you're presented with the opportunity, until you're backed into a corner and in that moment where it's like, okay, do I fucking tell the lie? Essentially, it's a lie. Let's call it like it is that I'm going to pretend like I'm a couple. And do I allow this decision based in self to dominate my life right now? Because it seems like this is what I should get and this is what I want. Well, in the big book, it talks about, you know, the actor. You know, being virtuous, kind, considerate, caring, you know, modest and even selfish and self-sacrificing or self-sacrificing. Um, and then if we don't get our what we want, we become dishonest. We become manipulative. We start prying and grabbing, angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when he's trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Are these not the things that he wants? It's the things that we want is the what we turn over. The things that we want are hard to fucking turn over because we have the picture of how things should be. And when we don't get the things that we want and how it should be, we start suffering. And through the suffering, we become angry, indignant, self-pitying. And now we're making more decisions. Our, our ego is redoubling its effort to make more decisions to make me happy and get me what I want. And eventually, all of these little decisions, like Jesse said, takes you right back to the drink. And, and to tell a person who's trying to work in God's will that that's what's happening when their intentions and no, everything's, I'm doing God's will. No, intention under intention is always motive. And how long does it take to fucking understand motive? It takes a long time to understand self, what we're talking about here. And going back to early recovery. Yeah. Okay. 
Jesse kind of tied it off at early recovery is, let's say after that first year when life gets real. Well, that first year, God was probably typically only a theory anyway. He wasn't practically applied through the directions of the big book. And you need more God. You need God for real in the second year moving forward. And it's not by mistake. Most people don't make it sober into their second, third, fourth, fifth year because they've never really given it over to God through the practical applications of what the steps ask us to do, i.e. step 10, i.e. step 4, step 5, relinquishment, willing, without reservation in your six, doing amends properly without fucking selfish motive. And all of these things really actually allow God to work in our lives, right? So to me, early recovery is, yes, okay, the first phase of early recovery is that first year where you're kind of getting your feet wet, you're kind of getting grooved into what we're talking about and understanding some of the sayings and the slogans and the jargon. But by no means does a first-year person even have a fucking clue what self is. Because most people aren't even fucking talking about self for one. And, and for two, most people aren't willing to jump off that cliff, the, the Kika Guardian leap of faith and trust in God's will, because what we want still drives us, that good intention still drives us. And until you meet people that you really fucking want to want what they have, and you're willing to do what they have, you won't fucking do these things. And that second year, if you're willing, you will start understanding self. Why? Because if you're following the dictates of the program, you're going to talk your sponsor. You're going to look at longstanding difficulties. You're going to look at the things that you think is not God's will and discuss it and go, yeah, it is God's will. God is everything or he's nothing. He is the good and he is the bad. Most people think that only the good is God. And then when bad stuff happens... There's no God to be found. They're not talking about God because because it's full on self and God is just an ideal or a theory. You'll see the people that are really working with God. They have a high level of acceptance because God is everything. God is the rejection is God's protection. God is you get the job. And why did you take the job? Because you could be of maximum service to God and your fellows. And God is turning over all the things we want yes like like the stuff that like things the the things that you really want and the defects that you hold on to that you feel benefit you and you can't see how letting go of those things are going to benefit you at all like in that moment where it's like fuck i just could have lied and been done with the whole process of blah 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 blah. um and so it's like all the bad things but all those small moments where there's the good, the, the good opportunities that you can, you can, you can twist yourself into. If you just make a small little decision made in self, you can maneuver it so that you get what you want. But, but those things are so subtle, and it's like there's lots of good opportunities we get presented along the course of our recovery that we can just you know shove, shove ourselves into it a little bit, and it doesn't even look disastrous. Like that example of you know tweaking just our relationship status on an application when we already knew we would be accepted that way you know and how many times those opportunities and they're subtle if you're not really doing the things that we're supposed to be doing and if I wasn't really paying attention to like that could have just been a little checkbox and um I'm I'm really trying to do what everyone that I turn to like 
my killers and my sponsors, like what they do. And that is not something that would have been okay. And so that's what I model after, even though it makes no sense in the moment to me. Like, this is such a small thing and I get this outcome, but I'm willing to, to, to take this leap of faith because of other people that I look up to and the way that they're living their life is working for them. So I'm going to have this faith, even in that, in that, if I can't have it in God, if I'm the person got that spot, is to do it anyways and to see what the results are. And in those good things, that's the hardest time. For me, it's the hardest time. Like I can come to God in pain much easier than I want to come to God when there's a good opportunity right in front of me that I feel like I can use self to, to get the outcome that I want. Yeah, and the thing about taking this road is not many people take the road. Character building and spiritual values have to come first. That material satisfactions were not the purpose of living. To get that into your head and really live by that premise is very fucking difficult. Why? Because when you look at a a whole bunch of people that are in this program, very few are going to take the character building and spiritual values. And it doesn't make sense to go this way. When you look at 99% of the people are going the other way, why would I go this way? It makes sense that I should do this. It makes sense that maybe I tell this little white lie. It makes sense that I do these things. Why? Because everyone else is doing it. And I always say, well, that's normal. You want to do what's normal? You're going to get normal results in this program. And the normal results are not what you fucking want. Trust me. Let's look at the normal results. Now, let's look at the people that you look up to. And then we'll look at them and we'll say, that's not normal, is it? These people have actually jumped off that cliff and the parachute of God has opened. And they, through the pain, through the not getting the selfish, self-seeking motive in that moment, the benefit of whatever it is in that moment, through them sacrificing that selfishness in that moment, they actually got paid big dividends down the road. There's going to be a payoff either way. Either your ego is going to get paid off or your spirit's going to get paid off. The spirit, the spirit gets paid off down the road because you build character. And it's the character that actually carries you through your recovery and allows you to connect with God. The ego and the selfish, self-seeking benefit that I get right now doesn't really benefit me in the community of me's down the road in my life. And, and if I just seek this this quick opportunity to relieve my ego of its discontentment, then I'm going to be reaching for more. I'm going to be grabbing for more because all I ever get is relief. I'm a relief seeker. But if I can bring God in and not get that relief now, and I can build that character and I can use God and I can build strength to get through whatever that hard time is or whatever it is that I'm not getting that I want, I can fucking build within me the structures with creator that allow me to navigate even more difficult situations later that build character, that build genuine humility, that carry me through my whole life, that allow me to build real acceptance. It allows me to build faith. It allows me to build real integrity, not false integrity. And But this stuff is hard. And, you know, I think, uh, when people look at other people, a lot of people will come to like me or Jesse because they want that peace. They want that character. They want these certain things that are actually attributes based in the foundation of love and 
principle and integrity. And then they will typically do the things that we ask them to do. But it takes them a fucking beating first, usually a couple, two, three, four, five years of them trying to fucking get what they want first, realizing that that ain't working. And then they'll come this way and then they'll jump off that cliff little bits by little bits. But it's not an easy fucking process. But I think part of the reason why it's so skewed is because the rooms are so focused on all the wrong shit. They're focused on the drink. They're focused on no one talks about selfish, self-centeredness in the meeting. No one's talking about fucking how do you turn your life over to God? What is the practical application of step 10? What is step 11 really? What is sponsorship? What is service? People aren't talking about that. They're talking about their own fucking opinions and ideas of what they fucking want in their life. And then people think that that's what the program is. And the big book, even if it's on the table, which it's almost never on the table, it's never on display. People just think that the program is a bunch of people sitting around talking about life or they're drinking. So it gets a bad initial introduction to most people's lives. And they right from the get go, they're blinded of what it actually is. So it's, it's a detriment, right? Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover one person, one family, one community at a time.